to welcome George Takei to my show, and we're going to talk a little bit about Star Trek and other things. Thank you very much for coming. Pleasure Appreciate being it. here. Uh, we'll start at the beginning. Uh, how were you originally chosen for the role of then Lieutenant Sulu when the first series started? Well, my uh, agent called and told me that uh, he had an interview set up for me with uh, a producer named Gene Roddenberry, whom I didn't know from Adam. And he, the other information that he uh, gave to me was, was that, one, it was a science fiction series, two, that it was a pilot film that had a good potential for selling, and three, and most importantly, that my character was uh, going to be a regular character on the series. That's the point that it, uh, interested me the most because it meant steady employment. <laughs> and Good back work. in those days, uh, jobs were far and few between, so that was very attractive. Went for the interview, and a couple of days later, my agent called again and said, I had the part. So not anything too dramatic. What was uh, your family's reaction uh, to your winning the role as well as being on the show? You know, they were that? pleased, but, you know, they were... Um, kind of resigned. They, my father really didn't want me to be an actor, and he was still kind of lobbying me to, uh, I'd up. gotten <laughs> my master's degree in theater arts, and that still didn't fully persuade him, because uh, um, a traditional uh, uh, Japanese-American father, you know, wants uh, his son to be steadily, regularly employed, <laughs> and uh, that wasn't happening with uh, his actor son. And so he was trying to get me to reconsider and maybe, you know, go back for a teaching credential or, or maybe even go back to ar architecture school. And uh, uh, so they were glad that I was employed, but they also thought, you know, the uh, business of show business is not very steady and secure and that maybe I should still be thinking in terms of uh, getting something a little bit more reliable. So they were pleased and at the same time, you know, kind of, Vamping time. Well, it's tough because I know acting is very competitive. I think the last figure I heard is only one or two or three percent of actors are, are really making a living at it. Right. Yeah. You know. The percentages are are just horrific. Uh, the membership of uh, the Screen Actors Guild and the number that actually make anything over twenty five thousand a year is uh, a minuscule percentage. Mm -hmm. um, did you ever think, you know, in your wildest dream that you would be sitting here? connected with Star Trek 25 years later, you know, celebrating the silver anniversary and everything. Well, if anything, what I predicted at the time that we were shooting the uh, pilot film was that this show is going to be a quality show. The script was put together with a great deal of integrity and imagination that the crew and <clears throat> the personnel involved were people that were really many notches above the uh, norm in television. 
And <clears throat> I said, uh, television isn't uh, known for respecting quality. So at best, this series is going to, if it sells as a series, is going to last at best two seasons. Well, here we are past two decades. <laughs> so, uh, no, I never dreamt that I'd be sitting here talking to you about our silver anniversary. It's amazing because I know uh, a lot of shows would love to get half that far, let alone 25 years. I mean, you're in good company with shows like maybe Gunsmoke or something that went for 25 or 30 years. So it's it's, it's amazing the, the longevity of it all, and, and you've had more luck as you've gotten into motion pictures, and it's a real you know phenomenon. Well, the thing about it that makes this unique is we were not that popular on television uh, first run. We only had three seasons, despite the fact that we announced at the beginning of each episode that we were on a five-year mission. And then after that kind of uh, uh, cancellation very uh, prematurely, for it to enjoy this kind of popularity that's been enjoying in syndication subsequently, and then to come back as a series of uh, major feature films. And here we are about to release a sixth uh, a major film of uh, Star Trek. I, I don't think any other showbiz phenomenon has uh, uh, enjoyed this kind of uh, success. Or staying power. You know exactly. I mean, we had talked to Michelle and Jimmy just the fact that it, you've, you've made yourself an historic presence that'll never go away. And it's something that, that even years and years from now it'll always go on and you'll always be remembered no matter what, which is great. That's unusual. Well, you know, I'm not so arrogant as to think that we're going to be, you know, this huge, enormous landmark. Uh, certainly, Star Trek is enormously popular right now, and <clears throat> we see it as a major achievement, which it really, truly is. But everything in this business eventually comes to pass, and with enough time passing, it'll fade. But uh, it will remain remembered by uh, a lot of people fondly. But uh, I don't think, uh, you know, for example, uh, you know, what were some of the really big popular shows of uh, uh, some time back? You know, they're, they're, they've come and they've gone. And uh, some people remember them, but uh, uh, ultimately they're just going to be uh, a little uh, uh, paragraphs in the history book of... Uh, then again, if Paramount keeps marketing, uh, who knows? <laughs> That's true. The economic thing may continue. <laughs> and as long as they continue to make money, then it will be this kind of uh, mega phenomenon. Uh, the, uh, certainly, I think the feature films are going to enjoy a long a life uh, in terms of reruns. Uh, they may outlive all of us actors, you know, when we're long uh, gone. But everything ultimately goes. Mm. You know, <clears throat> my uh, college thesis was on uh, Arthur Hopkins, one of the most lauded producer-directors uh, of uh, the Broadway theater around the turn of the century. He's the one that uh, did uh, John Barrymore's uh, Hamlet, uh, Lionel Barrymore's uh, Macbeth, uh, Ethel Barrymore as Juliet and Romeo and Juliet, all the major landmark productions. He's the one that introduced uh, uh, Eugene O'Neill to uh, the Broadway theater. He was the single most lauded uh, producer, director, uh, theater man of his time. And yet, how many people really know who Arthur Hopkins is today? Mm. You know, enough time goes by and you become 
a well-noted part of the history books, but uh, just that. You know, I've talked with you um, in the past, and you've always expressed uh, how the character of Sulu should be advancing further with Starfleet. Now, with the coming of Star Trek VI, uh, apparently we found out that you made captain now, finally. Or you have a is command. that so? This is well, what we hear. <laughs> well, that's what I hear too. But, uh, but you can't we tell also us. have a dicta from uh, Paramount Studios. If we want to live long and prosper, you can't we have to keep uh, <laughs> the plot uh, convolutions. Uh, well, let me, let me rephrase. It. <laughs> you have a certain amount to do in this picture. Are you happy with with what you, as an actor, uh, have done in this new picture? And then maybe as a whole, what? the picture, how you think the picture is going to be received? I'm very happy. I'm enormously pleased with the film. And I, my prediction is that Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, will probably rank as the single biggest box office success of all of the feature films. And that's going to take some doing because Star Trek IV, I think, went well past $140 million. Mm. And uh, so I'm going out on a limb by saying we're going to probably do better than $140 million. That'd be great. I know other people were talking about it in terms of two and four, and uh, as far and which is ironically Nicholas Meyer being involved in all of it. And when I had first heard he was involved, I was felt much better, too. And he's you know, involved in a double capacity here, a double whammy of Nick Meyer. Uh, he's directing and he's co-written this uh, project. Was the original story by Leonard Nimoy, or the original story? It's a combination of uh, Leonard and uh, uh, Nicholas and, um, oh, the co-writer. Oh, dear. I really should have done my homework. Uh, the other guy that uh, contributed to the writing. Uh, well, we'll look him up. My mind's <laughs> a blank. Um, I noticed, too, when you were on uh, Good Morning America, they had a shot of you and Jimmy sitting there. And I know that both of you were inferring that there could be a Star Trek Seven. But I wanted to know if there was a way you could explain more. Were you trying to make an inference that there was definite things in Star Trek VI that the fans will pick up on? Well, you know, in every Star Trek film, there are uh, seeds planted that could be developed as a subsequent uh, sequel. But what determines whether there will be a sequel or not is the uh, box office of mm. the uh, film that's out currently. And uh, if it doesn't do well, there won't be a, a, a sequel. The um, only film that didn't do well of the Star Trek series is Star Trek V. Mm -hmm. However, what saved uh, Star Trek IV, uh, Star Trek VI, despite the uh, uh, box office failure of uh, Star Trek V, is the fact that we're here at 1991, which happens to be the 25th anniversary of Star Trek, mm -hmm. and Paramount thought that, that might be a vehicle on which to launch uh, a marketing campaign, not just for the picture, but for a lot of other uh, peripheral products, uh, lunch pails, T-shirts, medallions, training cards, greeting cards, cards. Uh, underpants, yeah. and all sorts of things. I, uh, yeah, I haven't seen anything like this with, with marketing in a long time. And, and a lot of the stuff, I'm not going to say everything, but a lot of the stuff I've seen has been good. Like, in a nice quality They are going stuff, for quality now, yeah. You know, instead of just making schlock stuff, you know. Or whatever. It is, you know, something that uh, you get an opportunity to do something like this only once every 25 years. So right. uh, you you do need to protect that franchise by uh, doing something uh, quality. Are you personally open to uh, any future movies? I know Paramount's kind of categorically saying that this is it. 
But you know, um, you have to think back on the history of uh, all the Star Trek movies. Paramount has said that's it with every one of the films. The very first one was titled Star Trek, the motion picture. I mean, there, there's, that suggests only one. And they indeed did say that that's the only Star Trek movie. But when the box office was unexpectedly big, they decided to do one sequel. And the sequel was supposed to be so final that we killed off Spock. And you can't have, you know, another Star Trek without Spock. Right. But when that made a ton of money, they said they'll do a trilogy, which means three, only three. If you have four, it won't be a, th a trilogy. So <laughs> they said it was going to be a trilogy. And the third one was supposed to be so final that the Enterprise went down in flames. And the real star of Star Trek is the Enterprise. Right. And so, you know, that was supposed to be the final one. And so on and so on. Each one, you know, had the suggestion that that was going to be the last one. And here's number six, and once again, they're saying this is the last one. Just stay tuned. The box office for Star Trek VI will determine whether there's going to be a seven or not. And my feeling is that the box office will be enormous. Well, I really appreciate you being with us, George. I'm looking forward to seeing those movies and so forth. And, of course, I wish you luck in anything that you do. And we really do look forward to seeing Star Trek. And uh, gee, maybe soon we'll get a series of his own, you know. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what mysterious things can happen. Uh, anyway, I really appreciate you being here. Thanks very much. Thank you. Enjoy.